Uh, we're kicking off a brand new series called From Pierce to Power. And I was thinking about this this morning. I, um, I'm trying to communicate to you what I go through when I'm talking because it helps you pray for me. <laughs> um, I had a conversation with somebody, with somebody this past week, and I, I don't remember how we got onto this, but it ended up with what it would be like to be a newscaster who has those things in her ear. I think it was the NFL draft because they have to talk for like three days straight, and they all have those things in their ear. And you know while they're talking to each other, somebody's talking to them in their ear, right? Has anybody ever, is anybody in that industry you ever experienced that? Okay, so anyway, me either. But I was telling them, like, I would be a wreck. I would be an absolute train wreck. I would probably start saying out loud what they were saying in my ear. I mean, it was just, how do you even do that? How do you pay attention to the camera, all that stuff? So this morning, I just want you to be praying for me because how I feel right now is like, I feel like my heart is like, okay, Spirit, what are you saying? So that I can say to you what I feel like he's saying. Does that make sense? So um, I, I, there was a, when I was in seminary, there was a pastor that we learned about. He was a phenomenal preacher. And the way that he would preach, would, he would bring in like, do you all know what commentaries are? The thick books that you try to avoid. <laughs> you shouldn't because they're good, right? But he would read all the books that he had used that week to study. He must have had a huge pulpit. He would bring all of them in and set them on the pulpit open to the different pages that he had studied from. And then people asked him, like, so then what? And he said, well, then what I do is I just kind of listen to, like, well, what, is the, what does God want me to does he want me to read from this page or from that page? So he was like, I'm kind of like this guy that brings all the ingredients to the table and just asks the Holy Spirit to mix it up and make a meal. So anyway, that's where I'm at today. <laughs> so some of y'all are like, it's going to be a happy meal day, right? And some of y'all are like, oh, we don't know. Anyway, so from Pierce to Power, um, let me just try to set this up, and then I'll try to tell you what I think the Lord put on my heart for this morning. Are y'all cool with that? I, I realize that doesn't sound very man of Godish, does it? Like, I'll tell you what I think God said. Like, Don't tell me what you think. Tell me what you know. Well, no, 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 whatever. That's why you have the internet. Watch those pastors. Um, <laughs> that was fun. I'm already sweating. What's happening right now? Um, okay, so let's set this up from Pierce to Power. Um, I think I read the Bible different than most people do, okay? And I just want to set this up. First of all, I want you to know that I know stuff. I've got a master's of divinity, so I've been to school, I've, I've studied this, I know things about scripture. So those of you, who in here is fascinated with Jewish stuff, like Jewish festivals and feasts? Okay, so let me just tell you right up front, I'm not the most, I'm not the most brilliant man when it comes to that, but I do know that there were seven feasts that were very important in the life of God's people, okay? Three of them were in the springtime, and four of them were in the fall. Okay? You with me? So we're, we just came through, well, we're coming through the springtime. So when I say this next statement, just know that with that backdrop, I understand the timing of God. I understand that there's a reason why Pentecost happened when Pentecost happened. And this is a, a series that's going to take us from Easter to Pentecost. Okay? So we're going to talk about, like, what happened. I mean, do you ever stop and think about that? What, what happened from Easter to Pentecost? There's, not, there's, not, there's more in the Bible about it than we think, but we don't ever talk about it, right? We just think, Jesus rose, ta-da, right? 
But a lot went on from Easter to Pentecost. And so that's what the series is about. Like, how do we get from pierced to power? Okay. So I ask questions like this. Well, God being God and all, why didn't Jesus just go to the cross on Friday? I know he stayed in the tomb on Saturday. because I know that there were things happening, but it was also Sabbath. And by the way, that's part of the, one of the feasts. And then he was resurrected on Sunday. Why didn't he just on the next Monday go right back to heaven? You ever ask yourself those questions? Why did he stay? And then why did he ascend 40 days later, not 41 or 42 or 49? And why 50? And I ask all these questions. Like he could have just simply said, all right, y'all, I'm alive. And I've called you. Pray for you. Out. So I ask those kind of questions. Why did God, why did Jesus stay? Um, when I, I've told some of y'all this. When I graduated from seminary, Philip Yancey was our, semin- was our um, graduation speaker. Y'all, anybody familiar with Philip Yancey? He looks like, he looks like the painter. Is it Bob Ross? Right. <laughs> happy trees, right? Um, happy accidents. So Philip Yancey said this in his speech that day. He said, you know, a lot of people don't understand a lot about God. He said, there's, there's very few things about God that I don't necessarily, like, I, I don't have to understand the virgin birth. I don't have to understand, like, how could he, you know, raise Lazarus from the dead. He said, the one thing that Jesus did that I, I just can't figure out is the ascension. Why did Jesus leave all of this to us? Why did he give us such a huge mission, something so important, and then leave it to us? Now look at the person next to you. Why did he leave it to them? Right? Why? Why would he leave such an important mission to us? And so there, I know this. Everything Jesus does is for a purpose. There's a reason for it. So we'll get into the feast as we go through this series We'll try to teach a little bit on those, but here's what I want you to, to the big takeaway from, from today. I believe that at, on the day of Pentecost, and y'all know that it's not called Pentecost because the Holy Spirit was poured out. It was already called Pentecost, right? So the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 happened on a holiday already called Pentecost. When he poured the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus had said this, Like, the Holy Spirit's with you, but he will be in you. So at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was in people. If he's going to pour something so valuable as the Holy Spirit into us, we have to be able to hold that, right? So I believe that a lot of what was going on from the resurrection to Pentecost was Jesus having very intentional interactions with people who were pierced, who were grieving, who if the Holy Spirit had been poured out to them on them and in them the Monday after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit would have literally just gone right through them. <laughs> they couldn't hold that. Um, it's, uh, there's a verse. Make sure I've got it for you. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. So there's a, there's, it's, it's not a bad thing that we're jars of clay because Paul says that, that it shows the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us, right? God shows off through us. We don't have to show off for ourselves. 
So because we're jars of clay, we know that the power that we have is from God. And not only do we know it, but the people around us know it. Like, they look at us and go, I don't know how that person is pulling that off, right? Because they know us. Jesus, Jesus was teaching one time, and he said that if you take new wine and you pour it into old wineskins, remember what Jesus said would happen? The skins would burst. They're just brittle, and the, and the wine would be wasted. And so I believe that the new wine was poured out at Pentecost. And I believe that the days that led from the resurrection to Pentecost were key, that Jesus was preparing people to receive the new wine. And so some of the things that we'll talk about as we go through this series are um, doubt. We'll talk about some of that today. Fear. We'll see where Jesus actually restores Peter. He restores a calling. We'll see where he gave the Great Commission. Like these are very important things that happened on the way to Pentecost, right? And then one last thing about the Jewish feast, and then I'll, I'll read you a couple more scriptures. The, the feast that took place at Pentecost was a celebration of the harvest. That, that's what was taking place. So all, what would happen, all these people would come to Jerusalem, and a lot of people think it happened on the south steps of the temple. They would gather on the steps, and they would celebrate that God had brought in the harvest. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost because God was sending a very clear message to the church. Yes, I have provided a harvest, and now I have provided power for you to go get more of the harvest. We, we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, so we can have phenomenal church services. Although that's good, right? We have the power of the Holy Spirit so that after those phenomenal church services, we'll actually go out and live it in front of, our, in front of people that know us. And we'll carry that and be witnesses for people in the world. Um, another interesting fact about the feasts, the, the holiday, the Jewish holidays, the three most scholars say this, the three spring festivals celebrate the finished work of Jesus. And the four in the fall celebrate the coming work of Jesus. In other words, the end of time. Now, I'm just simple enough to believe this. If Pentecost is right in the middle, and he poured out the power of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, then I believe that he's saying to us, I've finished the work on the cross. And I'm coming again as a judge and a conquering king. And between that time and this time, between my completed work and my coming work, the church has work. And I'm going to give you the power to go do it. That's why Pentecost is so important. Now, if you're, if you're not Pentecostal, then the only thing you know about Pentecost is that's the day that people went crazy. Right? That's the day, where, oh, my, my crazy neighbor lady, that's why she's crazy. Right? No, the reason that we celebrate Pentecost is because literally that's when the church was birthed. And everything that's happened since then came from that day. The Holy Spirit stopped hanging around people, and he was placed within people so that, right, what did Jesus say? You will receive power so that you can be my chandelier swingers. No. So you can have the best worship of any church in your city. No. So that Paul can actually say words that you can understand. 
I'm, I'm leaning on that one, right? Yes, Lord. No, so that you will be my witnesses. Where first? In Jerusalem. One of the one of the things we'll talk about as we as we go through this, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of places that Jesus appeared between the resurrection and Pentecost. One of the ones, and it's mentioned in, in Corinthians, I love this, is that he appeared, it says, and then he appeared to James, his brother. Why why why'd he get called out? How many of you have family? And they don't really think that Jesus is doing what he said he's doing in your heart. Because <laughs> they're like, I saw you yesterday. Ain't no way Jesus is working in your heart. Right? Family knows, y'all. And so one of the things that I think God does is he's preparing us to receive something that he's doing in us and also in us. Right? Sometimes we need the power of the Holy Spirit to believe in what God's doing in somebody else. To see what's really happening in their heart. Is that a good enough setup? Does that, does that help you understand kind of where we're headed? So June, the first Sunday in June, I think it's June the 5th. June the 5th is Pentecost Sunday. Listen, I'm believing that God is going to pour out his power on the church just like he did then. People get jacked up. I'm not trying to make your theology sound good. I'm just, I'm just here to tell you I'm so hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit, that I will pray things like, hey, God, you remember that, what you did at, the, at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Would you do that again? If you want to start somewhere, start at the gathering. And if nobody in the gathering is open to it, start with me, right? So if on that first Sunday in June, you come to church here, and I'm like a fool down here doing whatever, if I'm just on the floor, I'm just whatever, I'm just asking God to start with me, right? Just start, just pour your spirit out on me. Right? I believe he wants to do that. And some of y'all are like, well, he, we've already had one Pentecost. We don't need another Pentecost. Man. Paul said, be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Do y'all sleep every night? It's because you get tired. And so you need to sleep. Well, some of y'all are like, I wish. Some nights I don't. <laughs> we sleep every night because God's designed us, created us to Use energy and then be refreshed so that we can go again and be refreshed. It's the same way spiritually, y'all. He didn't design us to run on an empty tank or to run on fumes. And he designed us to be filled to, the Bible says, overflowing, right? And I believe that that's what he wants to do. So I'm just telling you, I'm just preparing you, right, that I believe that through this series we're going to talk about how we go from being pierced to, be, to being full of power, and then it doesn't stop on the day of Pentecost, right? So, I, again, I'm trying to be sensitive because I know some of us don't have a Pentecostal background. So you're like, my whole church that I love is going to change on June the 5th. No, we're just going to be, I just want all of Jesus, right? And then beyond June the 5th, I believe that we're talking, to, we're going to go all the way through June because he's preparing us to receive power, and then he's preparing that power is going to send us out, Right? So the tagline for this series is embracing the cost and Pentecost. Because it does cost us something, y'all. Have you, ever, have you ever gone fanatical for anything? I mean, any, any, um, any sports fans in the house? You just go fanatical? Like, oh, cause we're Rocky Top people. So like, yeah. 
Wendy and I, we're, we're, we're joking about this. Um, we were talking about something else that wasn't sports, and I won't say out loud what it was because some of y'all will throw things at me, but it will come out in a series at some point. But we were talking about the, the really weird and bizarre things that people do when they're a part of what we were talking about. And I turned and I said to Wendy, the thing that blows my mind is like some of those people will come into church and, and just be like this. You can't move me. I'm not showing any emotion. But I know what they do in that other place, right? It's like, you'll go nuts for that, but you won't go nuts for Jesus? I'm thinking we need the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Because the power of the Holy Spirit helps us overcome some of that hesitancy, some of that fear, some of that, oh, gosh, what will they think? And when you become fanatical about something, you don't care what people think. If people cared what they thought, all those men that paint their bodies at football games would not be painting those bodies, right? They don't care. You're like, I know they got some alcohol. Well, I got a better spirit than that. And so do you, right? Well, that's not my personality. Well, the Holy Spirit's not going to change your personality. The Holy Spirit's going to actually empower your personality to be the fullest that God created you to be. Yeah, anyway, is it June the 5th yet? No. All right, so that's kind of where we're headed, right? So we're embracing the cost in Pentecost. There's a cost on the front end, which is I need to be honest with God. I need to allow him to heal me, to, to make me um, preparable, ready to receive the new wine that he wants to pour out. But then there's a cost on the other side of Pentecost, and it is just living life 100% on fire for Jesus. And how many of you have done that? And people have attacked you for it. Isn't there a cost involved with going all in with Jesus? Okay, just to make sure I wasn't the only one. Because there's a cost. And something about, I don't recommend this, but we, we sometimes equate the Holy Spirit to grabbing a live wire. Because, you know, it's the, the word for dynamite. It's what's used in the Bible. Um, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. That word dunamis literally means dynamite. So we'll, we'll use this illustration every now and then. Like, can you imagine if I took a stick of dynamite? <laughs> we should definitely do this. And I lit it. And the fuse is going down. And I threw it right there. But what happened? Well, the people that are fit would be as far to the wall as possible, right? But when it blows up and all the dust settles... Does the room look the same? No. You grab a hold of the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, I promise you, there's no way your life stays the same. There's no way. It can't. It won't. And he's looking for a bride, a people, a remnant, whatever word you want to put there. He's looking for a people that will say, I'm so hungry for the real thing that I will blow me up, Lord. Give me all the Holy Spirit you have. Just take all of me, just consume all of me with the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can be your witness. And I'm just telling you, it sounds good when we hear the testimonies, but it's hard to live that out because people will look at you weird. Shh, pipe down. Do you have to talk about Jesus all the time? Can't you just be normal? And then you say to them, I am. And then, uh, I don't know if I want that. I don't know either. But I know that it, 
On my last trip to India, sitting alone in a room, God asked me a question. Would you rather have reputation or impartation? And I said, I think I want impartation, right? Now, years later, I'm like, I definitely want impartation. Reputation, whatever. All right. Okay, so was that a good enough introduction? Are you with me? Okay, you okay? So let me just give you a little bit for today, um, and then we'll, we'll just, I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures to jot down. I'm going to ask you to be like the Bereans in Acts and to study the Bible, okay? Please, I'm begging you, don't be the church that thinks I know it all. Because I, I, I was listening to my podcast this past week, and I heard myself say emphatically, about a verse that Paul wrote in Galatians. And when I heard it, I was like, wait, that's from 1 Peter. Like, I got the book wrong. I got the author wrong. Like, I totally jacked that up, right? I got the verse right, but it was all in the wrong place. Don't be the people that think that because I hold a mic and everything I say is true, right? I'm not going to lead you astray. I promise you that. But I want you to study the scriptures that I'm going to give you, okay? I want, you to, I want your appetites to be wet, wetted. Yeah, yeah, okay. Wendy said, go for it. When's the last time she said that while I was preaching, right? She's usually like, <laughs> don't say that. All right, so week one, here we go. This is what I feel like we're supposed to talk about today. Is that word pierced. From pierced to power. And I, and I want you to take a deep breath. Exhale. It's okay to be normal. Like, if you're in the room, you're a human. And I think this is one of those days where you're going to feel like, God sees me, right? He sees me. He knows me. He doesn't judge me. He's not frustrated with me. He understands. Because I'm going to share with you just some of the things that were happening in the disciples' lives right after the resurrection. Um, jot this down if you don't mind. It's just a statement. Um, the resurrection changes everything, but not at the same time. We tend to, in American Christianity, Easter's a big day, right? It was a couple Sundays ago, and so, you know, they usually it's the most attended service of the year, um, and I, I don't fight against that. I love it. I mean, if people come to church Christmas and Easter, at least we get two shots, right? That's a good thing, but we usually have the most people on Easter. Every church does, and usually the, the week after Easter is the absolute lowest attendance service of the year for every church. This, should, this is a problem, right? This, this sees Easter as an event. And because that happened, now we just kind of move on. And I just want you to know this, that the, the men, especially the men, so women, you can sit up a little bit straighter because I think for whatever reason, women in the Bible were a little quicker to believe. But the men especially that were the closest to Jesus, their lives didn't change when he rose again. Did you hear what I said? Their lives did not change. So we say things like, live with the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit, brother. Like it's an easy thing to do. And Jesus literally rose from the dead. And I'm going to give you a couple places where he appeared to people. And every single person he appeared to, the Bible uses some form of the word doubt. You're like, wait, how many of you... Have ever said like me, you ever been, oh, I hope this isn't true, but it probably is if you're human. Sitting in a church service, 
kind of enjoying it. It's okay. It's like it's maybe not the best day for the worship team, and Paul's kind of all over the place. And you say things in your head like, I mean, what would happen if Jesus showed up? Well, oh, church would be awesome if, like, Jesus just appeared. You ever think that way? I do, right? I, I'm thinking that right now, and I'm the one preaching. I'm like, this would be a much better sermon if Jesus just appeared. But do you know that the very same day that Jesus rose from the dead, these are the events that happened in his life. The women saw him at the tomb. They took the message back to the disciples and told the disciples that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. And John 20, verse 10, says they went home after seeing the empty tomb. The disciples, the men, they went home. I'm just making sure those words settle. They went home. After seeing the empty tomb. And that scripture says that when they saw the empty tomb, they actually remembered that Jesus had said, I'll die, and three days later, I'll rise. So they, they had enough sense to look in the tomb and go, huh, it's empty. Oh, wait, Jesus said he was going to rise again. And the resurrection so impacted their life, they went home. You feeling good about the company you keep right now? <laughs> Me too. Mark chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. She, one of the ladies that saw Jesus, this, again, this is all happening from this, the same day. So this is in real time. She told the disciples that she had seen Jesus, and the Bible says, but they didn't believe because they were grieving. Now, look, we talk about grief a lot here, mostly because I want you to know that we're normal, that we feel the same things that everybody feels when you lose something. But how many of you have been through grief and you recognize that when you're grieving, somebody can tell you the sky is blue and you're like, I have no idea what you just said. Grief is that powerful. Even though they were putting things together like, wait, Jesus is not in the tomb. Do I, I, I remember what he said? He was going to rise again. And then now the women are actually telling them he's, we saw him. But they didn't believe because they were grieving. Luke chapter 24, the middle part of that chapter, there's a story about the road to Emmaus. And that there were these two men that were walking on the road to Emmaus. This is all the very same day that Jesus rose from the dead. I don't know if you've ever put this together. A lot happened on that Sunday. They were not at church with an Easter play, right? There's a lot going on. And these men are walking to Emmaus, and as they're walking, they're sad. They're they don't understand. They're doubting like, wait a second. Jesus said he was going to, he's the Messiah. And now like, he's dead. And then this man shows up, right? And if you read the Bible, you know the end of the story. The man's Jesus, right? But they didn't know it was Jesus. And this man shows up and he's like, what's wrong? Well, sir, if you don't know what's wrong, you must be the only person who doesn't know what just happened. Didn't you hear about Jesus of Nazareth? Like he was going to be the Messiah, and he's, he's been crucified. And the Bible, the Bible says that this man began to start from the beginning of Scripture and show how all the Scriptures pointed to what was happening. Y'all, I want to be a pastor like that, right? I want to be able to look at any Scripture and see Jesus. And so Jesus is revealing Jesus to these men in Scripture. And then they go have, please stay the night with us, right? Hang out with us a little bit longer. 
And so he says, okay, I'll do it. They, he serves them communion. And the Bible says that when he broke the bread, their eyes were opened. And they recognized this was Jesus. And as soon as their eyes were opened, he was gone. Do you ever feel like you're late to the party? God, if I'd have known it was Jesus, I would have asked a whole bunch more questions, right? The minute they realized who it was, he's gone. And here's where he went. So those two men are struggling to understand. And the Bible says that he leaves them and he appears to the disciples in Jerusalem. This is still the same day. The day that he's risen from the dead, the, the evening after the women have told them, we went to the tomb, he wasn't there. The same evening when Peter and John ran to the tomb and walked in the tomb and saw that he wasn't there, that night, after this amazing, impacting moment of the resurrection, they're in a room with the doors locked, hiding, afraid, human. And Jesus appears to disciples. And when he appeared, they thought he was a ghost. And so to prove to them that he wasn't, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now, this is a whole nother sermon. We won't go into it now. But isn't it amazing how we try to hide our scars? And for Jesus, the scars were proof. Oh, no, I'm, I'm Jesus. See that? Do you know that for all of eternity... Those are the only things that aren't healed in heaven. His scars. Everlasting proof that he is the lamb that was slain. He shows them that. And Again, I don't know how you read the Bible. Some of you are all like, yeah. But I read it and I keep reading it. They think he's a ghost. And in verse 41 says, they still, still, this is a quote, still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I was talking about being disappointed with God? I told you I can't really explain that I'm full of doubt and belief all at the same time. That's the verse right there. They're looking literally at Jesus. Boy, church would be so much better if Jesus would show up. And he did. They're looking at him. He's shown them his scars, and they believed it was Jesus. And the Bible says, but they still stood there in disbelief. Filled with joy and wonder. I'm just pushing back a little bit on that narrative that says, well, if I could see Jesus, I'd follow him better. We're not even there yet, but that same Jesus that you want to see so you can follow, he said, y'all, it's better for you if I go to the Father. Because if I go to the Father, the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit's going to fill you, Right? So, they finally see Jesus. They, they fed him some fish that night, I guess, because they could see that he was eating, so ghosts don't eat. I'm not sure what that was about, but he ate the fish. So, like, they could see that he was real. It so impacted them, y'all. I don't know what they did for the seven days between that time and the next week, but that moment so impacted them, so filled them with faith, that eight days later, John 20, verses 24 through 31, says that they were, Jesus appeared to them again, still behind locked doors. Are you following this progression? Like the day that he rises from the dead, he appears to all these disciples who have walked with him, who have heard him teach, who know that he's the Messiah. 
and they're still like not quite getting it. And even when they start to realize it's Jesus, eight days later, they're still behind locked doors. Y'all, fear does something to us. I've shared this story before. I'm just going to share it again quickly because it's a great story. There's this church that was having baptisms, and it was like a church in the round, and that means that like in, instead of me being on a platform here, we'd have a platform in the middle of the room. It would be in a circle, and so that was kind of where they had church. And, and so they were doing baptisms, and they rigged up this system because the stage is right there. Like where do people go? Where do they change? So they rigged up this system where like they had curtains just hung from the ceiling on one side that went all the way to the floor, thick black curtains, so the women could change there. And then they had one on the other side for the men. And so this man got baptized. You know, everybody went nuts. They were crazy, going crazy. He walks into his area, and he's, he's changing, I guess. Some woman came out, and she got baptized. And when she came up out of the tank, she got all Pentecostal, right? And she's, like, jumping around, kicking her feet, you know, dancing all over. And she got her foot caught on that curtain, <laughs> pulled it this way. And when she did, like, the curtain just fell. And that man was buck naked, right here in front of the whole church you know so a quick thinking usher cuts the lights out right thank goodness and then like that usher's counting like you know one two i guess i don't know how long they counted maybe 30 seconds and when they turned the lights back on that man was still standing there buck naked frozen in fear i guess i don't know no idea, right? Somebody throw a curtain on that man. Listen, fear does that. Y'all, fear will freeze you. It'll freeze you. It'll hold you. It'll get a grip on you. And these disciples were living it. I don't know if they stayed in that room from the first time Jesus appeared till the next time, but I do know whatever they did in between that time, they were back in a locked room a week later. Men who knew that he was alive. They surely weren't following him, because if they were following him, they wouldn't have been in a room without him. He had to come through a wall and appear to them again. And then if that's not enough, Matthew 28, I mentioned this one last week, verse 17, the verse right before Jesus gives the commission, the Bible clearly says, that they were with Jesus. The 11 disciples were with Jesus. Some worshiped, some doubted. Even then, some are doubting. And what I wrote down, just so I want to make sure you get this, because I want you to have hope this morning. Some worshiped, some doubted, all were commissioned by God. He's not scared of your doubt. We don't talk about it enough, right? We should. We should talk more about, like, what do you, what do you doubt? What makes you doubt? Because he's not scared of it, y'all. He knows who he is. He knows who he, what he's called us to do. And he knows the power that he's placed within us to get it done. So there's nothing about our frailty that scares God. Because that's why he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. Is this making sense to you? Like this is why Jesus said, um, listen, I need you to go tell everybody in the world about me. But before you go. I need you to wait so that you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit so you can be empowered to be my witnesses. Because we, we don't have the power apart from him. So this morning, 
on this first Sunday of this series, I want you to understand that if you're here today and you're pierced, and let me talk to a very specific group of people. The people who you came to Easter and you're like, well, that was awesome. And here I am a week later, two weeks later, and so I, I feel like I might be just as confused before, as I was before Easter. And I just want you to see that the people that Jesus appeared to were people that knew him intimately. Seen the miracles, and they still doubted. And he still sent them. He just told them to wait for power. And here's why he's able to do that. Let's close with this. Well, let me ask you this question first, and then I'm going to read a scripture. We'll close. This isn't to validate me. This is just, you just let me know. How many of you can relate to this? To being pierced, to being wounded, to being hurt, to wondering if God can still use you to do stuff. Just put your hand up. So just to make sure you know, you're not the only one in the room, right? Okay? I would even say that that's the normal Christian experience. Right? It's to feel that because we feel our humanity. But the, the next step in normal Christian experience is to receive power that's greater than who we are. So I want you to hear these verses from Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. This is about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. This doesn't sound like the Jesus we talk about, right? But this is who he was. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering yet was considered yet we considered him punished by God stricken by God and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions See, the true pierced to power is Jesus he was pierced at the cross so that he could lead us to power in the Holy Spirit he understands piercing y'all he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now that same Jesus said this in Luke chapter 20, verse 18, and then we're going to pray. Can we? Yeah. Isn't it great how we just communicate without finishing each other's sentences? It's like we've been dating for months. <laughs> That song, New Wine, y'all, wasn't that so good this morning? In the crushing, in the breaking, he's bringing new wine. That song has ministered to, to Winnie and I so much over the last two or three years. I, oh, I can't even tell you. That, that Jesus that we read about, this is what he said in Luke chapter 20, verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone, and he's talking about himself, Right? Jesus is the stone. He's the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. I read that a while back, years ago. And I remember reading it going, that's weird. That does not sound peaceful. <laughs> right? I mean, it sounds like pieces. <laughs> Everyone who falls on Jesus will be broken to pieces, but anyone on whom Jesus falls will be crushed. And God just whispered to me. He said, breaking is part of it. 
Everybody's going to be broken. All of us are going to have moments where we realize, holy cow, my soul is pierced. The question is, am I willing to throw myself on Jesus and allow him to break me because I've thrown myself on him? Or am I going to be stubborn and he's going to have to crush me? But he's going to get us to a point where we're broken. And here's the reason why. Do this. Hey, kids, do this as an experiment. Your, your parents will hate that I told you this, but it'll be so much fun. Get, get out a cup. Put it on the counter. And then put a top over it. And then get out a gallon of milk. Open the milk and pour the milk into the cup. You with me? What's going to happen? It's going to be a mess, right? Is any milk going to get in that cup? No. Because do you know how the Holy Spirit gets in us? God has to take the cap off. We have to be broken. Do you know how the Holy Spirit, once in us, gets out of us to the world? we got to be broken. I don't understand it. I, I mean, I, I, I wish there was another way, but there's not. It's like my favorite, my, my least favorite saying is when people tell me they're leaving a church because they're not getting fed. Do you know what I always want to tell them? It's hard to eat with your mouth closed. I mean, the worst preacher in the world, if he's reading or she's reading from the Bible, there's something to chew on. So, open your mouth. Take something in. You got to receive. And when Jesus said things to the disciples like, look, I, I've got something for you. I've got someone for you. And he's, he's better for you than I am. I can be with you physically, but he's going to be in you forever. And because he's in you, you're going to do greater works than I've done. Because there will be just more of them. But I need you to be ready to receive him. And I believe that Jesus took 40 days before he ascended to show his followers, now you're in a position to receive. And I believe he's got us right there as well. And I'm going to ask that you would position yourself to receive. Now, each week as we go through this series, I think there will be times that we respond at the altar and, and we're not trying to build it all up to June the 5th, but we are headed somewhere, right? I think today the call is clear. Bring those broken pieces to Jesus, right? And just say, God, I'm, I'm broken, I'm cracked, but Lord, in ways that I never would have chosen, I'm open. I'm open. And isn't it something, have you talked to people long enough to know that when they're truly hurting is when they're the most open in the crushing in the pressing you're making new wine there's just no other way for it to happen so can we respond um, maybe you're here this morning and that's you you're just like man you nailed it I'm hurting I mean I feel like I'm pierced but I want to bring those pieces to the Lord. And I want to be just like his disciples. I want to trust that even though I, I, I should know by now, I don't, right? 
and Jesus is appearing before me, and I still don't quite get it, but I, I want the power to continue to follow him. And just as, as they lead us in just some of this song, can we, can we respond? You know, you're always welcome to respond at the altar. And what does that do for you? Well, it probably just puts you in a position where we know you're, we can put our hand on your shoulder and pray for you. I mean, I'd love to be prayed for when I'm in that place. And so if you, want, if you feel comfortable, I'm just going to to respond there. If your response is just singing this with them, then would you stand and do that as well? And then I'll close this out in just a minute. Come on, church. Let's stand together. Let's just spend some time with the Lord, worshiping, praying, bringing ourselves to Him.